Once as an experiment, Isaac Newton um, looked into a mirror at the reflection of the sun. And uh, as you can imagine, that didn't turn out too well for him. He was uh, temporarily blinded because he looked unfiltered at that reflection of the sun for three days. He locked himself in a room uh, without any light, with the shutters drawn, hoping that it would, that, that bright spot that he saw would go away. And for three days, it didn't. As a matter of fact, he said of that experience, he said, I used all means to divert my imagination from the sun. He said, but uh, it didn't matter. Whenever I closed my eyes, opened my eyes, all I could see was the reflection of the sun, that imprint, that bright spot. There's nothing he could do to take that away. And the reason is because the chemical receptors of that govern eyesight can't handle the sun unfiltered. If he would have looked much longer, he would have been blinded uh, permanently. Our eyes can't handle the sun unfiltered for that length of time. Well, in a similar way, uh, those sinful man cannot handle the unfiltered holiness of God. Uh, we can't stand it, and we see that in Scripture where we see men encountered, Isaiah being one, and Isaiah chapter 6 encountered uh, with the holiness of God and, and said, woe is me, I'm undone. Um, man and, uh, cannot handle the holiness of God. And even if we could, God can't allow sinfulness into his presence. Uh, he, he would cease to be God if he allowed sin to be in his presence. He would cease to be holy, perfect, righteous. And so there's the problem. And since the days of, of Job, man has asked the question of how can God be holy and just and sinful man still be justified? And that's, that's what we want to look at this morning. We look at Job asking that question in Job chapter 9, verse 2. Yes, I know what you have said is true, but how can a person be justified before God? How can sinful man be justified before a holy God if God can't allow sin into his presence? Again, in Job 25, 4, he states the same thing. How can a person be justified before God how can one be born of a woman and be pure? We're born with sin. We've, we've talked about that, the doctrine of sin. And, and so Job asked that question, and man still asks that question. Throughout uh, centuries, man has asked that question. As a matter of fact, uh, Martin Luther confronted this problem in 1512. His, his Roman Catholicism uh, told him that justification was by works, that man was saved by works. Uh, at least uh, in, in part, in terms of, of your works or what, what save you. Well, uh, Luther knew the scriptures, and he knew that some of the scriptures, uh, specifically Ephesians 2, 9, told him that we're not saved by works, so that any man would boast. It's not our works that save us. And really, the scripture that pulled him to, and, and, and influenced him to renounce his Roman Catholicism was uh, the scripture that says it is the man who is right with God by faith who will live. And we see that in Romans 1.17 and Galatians 3.11 and, and Hebrews 10.38. That text, that scripture, started a revolution in Luther's heart that would end, uh, ultimately culminate in the Protestant Reformation. And it's that same text that will revolutionize the life 
of the heart and life of anybody today who looks at it. Because that text is at the heart of the doctrine of justification. Um, it is that man is saved by faith. It is, it is by grace through faith. Um, it is not by works that anyone would boast. And so the biblical answer to how can God be both just and justifier of those who have sinned is what we call the doctrine of justification. And this is a continuation of our series on the doctrines of our faith, basic training. And we look today at that, we answer that question. How can God be both just and justifier? The most logical place to begin in in understanding justification is in the writings of Paul. If you look, uh, the verb to justify is found 38 times in the New Testament, and 27 of those times it's used by Paul. Uh, Paul talks a lot about justification. And so we're going to look at Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 31 today as we explore this doctrine of justification. We'll look again, Romans 3, 21 through 31, and we'll walk through that a few verses here and there as we uncover the answer to that question. How can God be both just and justifier? First, we want to look at the must of justification. Why is justification needed? Why is it a must? Uh, The word justify uh, presupposes the idea that something's wrong, that something needs to be fixed, that that there's something that needs to be repaired, so to speak. And, And that's who we are before we come to Christ. We are, we are not what we were meant to be. Before the fall, man was created in the image of God and was without sin. But once sin entered, now we as human beings without Christ are not what we were meant to be. So there is a disconnect. There's a separation from God that has to be reconnected if we are going to be what we are supposed to be. So there is something wrong that needs to be fixed. Um, Romans 3.23 tells us what that is. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if you look in Romans chapter 1, the first couple of chapters of Romans, you see Paul kind of outline sin and and how it covers uh, different individuals and ultimately all of us. In Romans 1, 18 through 32, Paul uh, categorizes Gentile sins. He talks about the sins of the Gentiles. In Romans 2, 1 through 16, he talks about the principle of God's judgment of sin, that God is righteous judge. And then Romans 2, 17 through 3, 8, he talks about the sins of the Jews. Um, And so he's covered Jews, Gentiles, God's judgment. Well, beginning in chapter 3, verse 9, he doesn't stop there. Paul then begins to talk about the universality of sin. The sins of the Gentiles, the sins of the Jews, but we are all sinful. Uh, We are all guilty of sin against God, and we stand guilty before him. So this is why we need justifying. Every part of our personality, every part of our being is affected by sin. Um, Our feet, our our hands, I mean, we, we don't do the things that God wants us to do. Failure to do God's will, our feet, we don't follow the path that he would have us to follow sometimes. We follow our own way. Um, we do things that we shouldn't, and we go in directions that we shouldn't. Our eyes, sometimes we look at things that we shouldn't look at. David, his sin against Bathsheba began 
uh, sin with Bathsheba began with him looking at her and lusting after her. Our tongues, sometimes we say things that we shouldn't. We spread gossip about people uh, that's not true, or we fail to witness with our tongues when we have the opportunity because of fear or whatever, our ears. Sometimes we don't hear the voice of God. We tune the voice of God out, and we listen to other voices that pull us away from God. Our shoulders, which would represent the work that we do or don't do in this case for the Lord. There is work to be done, works to be performed for God daily. And then our knees, not being on the floor in our prayer closets, not praying as we should. There are many ways that we see throughout our entire being how sin affects us. And regardless of who we are or where we come from, we all have a need to be made right with God. Uh, And we aren't right with God in sin. We have that need. We need to be justified because we are all sinners As Romans 3.23 showed us, we've all fallen short of God's glory. But even with all this, God is the one who justifies the ungodly, Romans 4.5. He is the one. He is just and justifier. So what, what are we talking about here? What does that mean exactly? That's where the meaning of justification comes in. We look at number two, the meaning of justification. What is justification? Well, if you look in the New Testament, the word justify means something different than in the English language, uh, really. In the English language, at least a meaning of it is that you are uh, giving a defense, making excuses for what someone has done. You're explaining why they did what they did. You're justifying their actions. Um, that, that There's an argument that proves why that person is right in what they did, and that is not the New Testament meaning of justification. So what does it mean in the New Testament? Well, In the New Testament, justification means to be brought into a right relation with a person. This could be man and man, or it could be man and God. To be brought into a right relationship with a person. It never means to make someone just or righteous. It means to declare someone just or righteous. So in other words, it's not... What I say that matters, it's not whatever argument that I give that matters that makes you just. It's not your actions that makes you just. You're declared just. You're declared righteous. It involves accounting or treating, reckoning a person as righteous. To be justified, to use a play on words, and you've probably heard this before, means that I stand before God just as if I'd never sinned. It's it's as if I'd never sinned at all. There's no guilt there. And there's some definitions. These won't be on the screen, but I included these in your handout uh, that hopefully will help in understanding what justification is. E.Y. Mullen said, It is the judicial act of God in which he declares the sinner free from condemnation and restores him to divine divine favor. W.T. Connors suggests that justification is is the act of God in which the sinner hitherto condemned on account of his sin upon conditions of faith in Christ is forgiven and received divine favor. Dr. Robert G. Lee said this, the act, justification is the act or decree of God whereby any sinner anywhere through faith in Christ is cleared of all guilt before God and is declared righteous by God 
and looked upon by God as though that sinner had never sinned. Just as if, I, just as if he had never sinned. I had never sinned. Justification, he says, is a transfer of a sinner from a state of sin, damnation, and death to a state of righteousness, salvation, and life. Those words just, justify, justification, and the words righteous or righteousness are all derivatives of the same Greek word. And so for God to declare us just, justified, is the equivalent of him declaring us righteous. And in both cases, it has nothing to do with who I am or what I've done. So what is it? Well, justification is, for one, a sovereign act. It is a sovereign act. First and foremost, it is. In Romans 8.33, we see who can bring an accusation against God's elect. God is the one who justifies. It is God. It is his sovereign act of justification. Uh, Only God can do that. Only God can declare us righteous. Spiritually, we can't justify ourselves. You know, any attempt at self-justification is going to fall short. And it is, it is the opposite of justification by God. The, you look at the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke chapter 18 who go to pray. And in this parable, these two men, one, the Pharisee leaves justified by himself and as a result condemned by God. But the tax collector leaves justified by God and no longer condemned, made right with God. And the difference there is in their understanding and application of justification. It is the Pharisee who prays, Dear God, I thank you that I'm not a tax collector. And the tax collector who humbles himself before God and says, Lord, have mercy on me. And it is the, the realization of the tax collector that he himself, nothing in him was righteous or just, and the only hope he had for justification is that God would make him just, would make him righteous. That is the, the key to him receiving salvation. He humbles himself before a Savior and begs for mercy, whereas the Pharisee relies on self-justification or an attempt at self-justification. Here's the point. God cannot accept us as sinners until we accept ourselves as sinners. I have to realize that I've sinned. And I'm going to remain guilty as long as I attempt to justify myself. It's only until I realize my sin, agree with God about my sin, and realize that the only hope I have is grace and mercy from God. That he would declare me righteous, not that I could become righteous on my own. In order to be saved, I have to be aware of my sin, conscious of my total dependence upon God, and put my faith and trust in Him. So there is that sovereign act of justification. Justification is also a sufficient act. The sovereign act of justification by God is sufficient to justify. Uh, It is an all-sufficient act. It is done once and for all, and its effect cannot be reversed. The law of our land of the United States says that, that a person cannot be tried for the same crime twice. Double jeopardy. Uh, you cannot be tried. If you are declared innocent of a crime, if you are tried and found innocent of a crime, you cannot be tried for that same crime again. Well, this is the doctrine of justification. It's a once and for all act. 
We all are guilty and stand guilty before God as sinners, but once God declares us just, he declares us righteous, we can't be tried for that crime again. There's no double jeopardy. We are declared righteous, we are declared just once and for all. It is a once and for all act, fully and completely pardoned for our sin against God. Justification is also a saving act. Because it is a once and for all act, because it is a sovereign act, it is what God does, not what I do, it is a saving act. We are declared just and righteous by God, and this is the equivalent of salvation. God's justifying act is also God's saving act. Those, it, it is, he justifies us, and in doing so, he saves us. He cleanses us from our sins. He makes us right with himself. It is one of the justification is one of the graphic metaphors that the Bible uses to describe this wonderful mystery of salvation. Justification it not only uh, results in man being forgiven of sin. Yes, we are forgiven of sin, but it's more than that. It's more than just forgiveness. Forgiveness can only remove the penalty of sin. I can be forgiven of something and still be guilty of it. Justification removes all guilt. That I'm no longer guilty of my sin. You think about it this way. An innocent person, someone who is accused of a crime but is innocent, can be found innocent, can be found not guilty. Uh, but if I'm guilty, same thing. If I'm guilty of the crime, yeah, I can be forgiven it. I can have my punishment waived but I'm still guilty. I can't be innocent. You can't be guilty and innocent at the same time. I can be forgiven, but not innocent. Well, whereas we are forgiven of sin by God through salvation, yes. But what's more, and this is so very important in understanding how God can accept us, a holy God can accept us, we are declared innocent. We are declared righteous. We are justified before God. Again, it's, it's just as if I'd never sinned. He has removed all of my guilt, and, and I am forgiven. But what's, you know, we can't, we can't do that, but what's impossible with man is possible with God. He can declare us righteous because of the finished work of Christ on the cross. God can take a dirty, depraved, destitute sinner like me, and he can clean me up. And he can make me right. He can forgive me of my sin, but then he can make me totally clean as if I had never committed a sin at all. He can make me what he intended me to be in the first place, restoring me to his image. And justification is so very key in that. Uh, there's a story that Warren Wiersbe, who passed away in 2019, I believe, um, told about uh, a friend of his shared this story. Another preacher that he knew, Dr. Roy Gustafson, shared this story about uh, a, a man from England who owned a Rolls Royce, and he evidently had a lot of money because he went on vacation, and he had um, his Rolls Royce uh, sent by ship to where he was going on vacation so that he could drive it. Well, he, he went to all that trouble to have his Rolls Royce shipped to where he was having vacation, and he got it there. He drove it around for a little while, and then it broke down. Uh, there was a problem with the motor, and he couldn't drive it. So uh, no repair shops where he was. He called Rolls Royce, and he said, I've got an issue here, and I don't know what to do. And not, you know, not just anyone can work on a Rolls Royce. So they actually had a, 
a mechanic, a Rolls-Royce mechanic, flown out to where he was on vacation, fixed his car, and then flew him back. And as you can imagine, this guy was wondering, how in the, you know, what, what are they going to charge me for this repair? How much is this going to cost me? Well, he gets back from vacation. He contacts Rolls-Royce, and he says, okay, give me the bad news. How much do I owe you? And Rolls-Royce responded with, we have no record of any repair for you, for your car, anywhere on our books. No record at all. So it didn't cost him anything. That's what justification is. We owe a debt because of our sin. There's a penalty that, needs, that has to be paid, and we should pay it. It's, it's our own fault. We all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But when we are justified by God, it's as if we had never done anything. There's no record of our sin anymore. It is forgotten, Scripture tells us. God forgets it as far as the east is from the west. It is no more. We are justified because of what Christ did on the cross. God declares us justified, righteous in his presence. But how can this really be? How can we really be justified? Well, we need to look at the means of justification in order to understand that. The means of justification. How can it be? How can we be justified? And there are really five things that the Bible says about justification, the means of justification, how it works. And one thing that it says it's not is that it's not by the law. In Romans 3.20, verse 20 of our passage today, For no one can be justified in his sight, in God's sight, by the works of the law, because the knowledge of sin comes through the law. So the law, the purpose of the law is not to justify. It shows God's standard that we can't meet on our own and our need for salvation. The reason for this negative statement, Romans 3.20, is because of what we see in Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. If I can, be, if I can make myself righteous, then the death of Jesus Christ on the cross is the greatest travesty in all of human history. It was pointless. There is no point in the death and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ if I can justify myself, but that's the point. I can't justify myself by obeying the law, the Old Testament law. I can't justify myself by doing anything. I cannot be good enough. It is not by works that I am justified. So how are we justified? Well, for one, we're justified by grace. Justification is an act, a sovereign act of God, and it is an act of grace. Look at Galatians 3.24. The law then was our guardian until Christ. Shows us the standard, shows us the standard that needs to be met to satisfy a holy and righteous God, one that we cannot meet, so that it's our guardian showing us that, so that we could be justified by faith. When Jesus came, when he became the sacrifice, we would realize, no, we can't meet the standard of the law. We've got, there's got to be another way or we have no hope, and, which is true. And so Jesus' sacrifice, his death, his burial, his resurrection, him taking on our, our punishment, we see it's through faith in him that we are justified. It is grace. Verse 24 of Romans 3. They are justified freely by his grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So it is an act of grace. It's not an act of something I've done or you've done or anybody else. It is an act of God. And it is a gift that cannot be earned. No gift can truly be earned. Uh, otherwise, it's payment for the work that's been rendered. Gift 
a gift of grace. And this gives us what we could call the cause of justification. The only reason a person, you and I who stand guilty before God, the only way that we can be declared innocent is justification, is that God makes us just, that he declares us just. And it is unmerited favor. It is he doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. It is grace, a gift that we do not deserve. God's grace makes the difference between the blind being blind and seeing. It is God's grace that makes the difference between being dead and alive. It is all grace. It is not anything that I do. So justification is by grace. Justification is also by blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. His blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Romans 5, 9, much more than since we have been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from wrath. So do those two things contradict each other? On one hand, I'm saying grace. On the other hand, I'm saying by the blood of Jesus. No, they don't contradict one another. They complement one another. The blood of Jesus is the agent through which God's grace worked. It is the shedding of Jesus' blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Grace, God's grace was put in the concrete reality on the cross where God himself is reconciling the world through Christ. It is the blood of Jesus. Those who sin, all of us who sin, we deserve to die. Our, our fate should be death, and that's exactly what we deserve. But to, to be to remain holy, God could not allow sin into his presence. So the only solution was that God himself incarnate in Jesus would become that payment for our sins, that he would take on that payment for us. The only way we could be declared innocent is if God took on our punishment. And he did, Jesus Christ. God became man. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he became our payment. He paid the price for our sins. In being both God and man, divine and human, he was able to pay the price, to be the perfect sacrifice. In Romans 3, 25 and 26, we read that, that Jesus became the propitiation. He appeased God's demand for justice, and he became the remission of our sins. Um, he removes our sins, and in doing so, he declares us righteous. We are righteous in God. God's grace manifested itself in the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. There's also justification by faith. It is by grace, by his blood, and then by faith. No, we're not saved by anything that we do, but we do have to put our faith in Christ to receive justification, to receive forgiveness of sins. Verse 28 of Romans chapter 3, For we conclude that man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Justified how? By faith. That is the instrument of, by which God appropriates justification. He, you know, we don't, we're not saved just by looking at Jesus' act on the cross and going, man, that was, that was a great thing, a loving thing. Um, you, know, you, can, you can believe in Christ. You can believe that he died for sins and not put your faith in him. It is by putting my faith in Christ that opens up the door of my receiving justification. You can think about it this way. It's a lot like this water valve. You probably have one of these or something similar to this in your house somewhere. And 
the way this works, of course, is that you turn it one way and it turns the water off. Uh, you can shut off the water to wherever, whatever faucet, wherever it's going. And there's a little, little thing inside that, that closes the water supply off to wherever it's going. So if I want it off, I do it one way. If I want it on, I turn it another way. And that opens up the flow of water to wherever you want it to go. The power is not in the valve in terms of the water, whatever it's doing. The water is where the power is. The water, the valve just opens it and closes. It doesn't change the water. It just changes the flow. It allows that water to flow freely. And this valve, this lever is like our faith. We can either have faith in God and open up our lives to experience salvation and God's power in our lives every day, or we can not have faith in him and close ourselves off to experiencing God's power. Um, That's the choice that we have to make. But when we put our faith in Christ and open up our lives for his presence to flow in and through us and his power to flow in and through us, when we receive salvation through faith in Christ, that gift of grace, then we're justified. It is the act of faith that it doesn't change the fact that God is the one who justifies, but it does allow God to give me that gift of salvation, to justify, to declare me just, righteous before him. We have to have faith in Christ. Faith is the way that God appropriates justification. To be justified, we have to relate ourselves to Jesus Christ through faith, an act of faith or commitment in him. Romans 1.17 tells us that the man who is right with God, who is justified by faith, that's the man who lives. Grace has been manifested. Christ's blood has been shed. But faith has to be exercised in order for us to be justified. And finally, there is justification by works. Now, again, this isn't contradictory here, all right? I'm not saying you're saved by works. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But justification, works are a result of justification. And so, in a sense, you could think of it this way. You know, by faith in Christ's grace, that's how I'm justified before God. But my works are how I'm justified before men. They can't see faith. Those who are lost see that I'm different by my works. So works are the result of justification. There's faith in Christ, and then the works in my life will show that I'm saved, that I've been saved by grace through faith. And you have to have that proper order there. There's got to be faith, true faith, then that results in works, which shows that I'm justified. So having already said that salvation is by grace through faith, Paul says in Ephesians 2.10, we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. You know, you look at the book of James, we're going through the book of James on Wednesday nights, and James talks a lot about works, that, that Our salvation is shown in works. And a lot of people try to put James and Paul at odds with each other, but they're not. And and the verse that I just read, you know, Paul does talk a lot about grace. And we've read a few verses today in Romans where he talks about that. And Ephesians, you know, we're saved by grace through faith, not by works. But he also stresses the importance of works. And so if you look at James by itself and you look at some of Paul's writings by themselves, 
isolate some, some texts here and there, then it would seem like they were at odds. But when you look at the entire message of the Bible, and when you look at all of Paul's writings, and you look at James' writings, well, it's both. It is faith that results in works. You know, we do a disservice when, and I, I talked about this Wednesday night, we, in our English language, don't really have a good concept of what faith really meant in the Greek language. You know, faith carried with it the idea that your actions are going to show that you believe. You're not saved by works. It's not your works that save you. But if I truly am saved, that salvation is going to be evident in the way that I live. My works will be a reflection of the justification that I have received in Christ. We are saved. Paul, just like James, properly combines faith and works together. According to James, in chapter 2, verse 26, faith without works is dead. Um, to him, works were the natural outward manifestation of faith that justifies grace, justification through grace. In a sense, faith, again, justifies us before God, but works show man that we are justified because they can't see the faith, the, the transition that's taken place on the inside. They can only see our actions. The point is that if man has genuinely been justified before God, then he's going to give outward evidence of that before other people. So it is, you know, justification, again, this concept is that, that it is not just being forgiven. I can be guilty and be forgiven. It is that I'm completely changed, everything. So all of me is affected by sin, and then once I'm justified, all of me is affected by that. Everything in my life should change as a result. I am given grace by God. I accept that grace by putting my trust in Him, having faith that He really is who He says He is, that Jesus Christ was God in human form, that He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross paying the price for my sins, and that He was raised from the dead conquering death. And by believing in Christ and receiving that gift, any gift has to be received by receiving that gift of salvation, I am now justified before God. So the result is my life is going to reflect the change that's taken place. I, I want to go back to the story of Martin Luther. You know, what changed it for him was the verse where where Paul talks about in Ephesians, where we are saved by faith, uh, by grace through faith. And then in Romans, where, we, where Paul, we read today, we're declared righteous by our faith, not by our works. And the story, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, you know, I can attempt to justify myself by my actions, and I can live a life that looks good on the outside, and I can be a good person, in a sense, and fool other people. But unless I have faith, then I'm not really justified. And, and I want you to think about it kind of this way. I've got two bottles of water here that look exactly the same, but they are, they are not the same. Um, I'll take this bottle right here, and we'll say this represents our own works, attempting to be made righteous by our own works, that Pharisee. Thank you, Lord, I'm not a tax collector. He obeyed the law as much as any human being could. If you were to see him, he would have been an upstanding church member. In our day, we would have considered him a good guy all the way around in terms of how he lived. He, he followed the rules, 
but he didn't have faith. And what we see is if we try to justify ourselves by our works, there's not going to be any type of reaction. We're going to fall flat. However, there's a difference in this water than just this plain bottle of water. What we can see is that if we put our faith in Christ and our works show that we are saved, there is a big difference. What looks the same is, in fact, quite a bit different. This is uh, seltzer water. It is soda water. It looks the same when left to itself, but there's a very big difference. This represents our attempt to save ourselves by good works. This represents what God has done in us. There's power in our lives. There's a change in us that changes everything about us. And so the works that we perform are an outward expression of what's already taken place on the inside that you can't see and that none of us can see. All we can see is how it's impacted our lives. So the question this morning is, have you accepted the gift of salvation? Have you been made right? Have you been declared just by God and made right with him? Or are you just attempting to be a good person, hoping that when you get to the end of your life, that God will add up the score and your good will outweigh your bad? Again, Paul reminds us we are saved by grace through faith, not by works. You and I have no reason to boast. It is only by the grace of God. So if you're there today and you're watching this, and maybe this is a brand new concept for you, you've been trying to get through life being good enough and suddenly you realize, man, there's nothing I can be do to be good enough. I invite you to accept that gift of grace, that gift of salvation. Wherever you are, you can call out to God and not even, you don't have to know everything there is to know about the Bible. You don't have to understand everything about God's plan for your life. But all you have to understand and believe is that Jesus died for your sins, paying the price for your sins so that you wouldn't have to. You can invite him into your life right where you are. Ask him to forgive you of your sins and to save you, and he will. Now, if that's you and that's where you are today, then let me invite you to also contact us. There's a slide that's coming up that will explain how you can do that. You can email our church, info at wallhighway.com. You can go to our website, um, and you can um, get information about the church and and other contact information. Our phone number is there. Um, You can also message us on Facebook Messenger right now. We have pastors watching that so that they can respond to you. If, if you. If you have questions about anything that we've talked about today, or if you just want to know how to be saved, or you, you asked Jesus into your life a few minutes ago and you want to know what to do next, I invite you to make that, that call or send that email or send that message over Facebook Messenger. Also, uh, this is the time in our service where we, we uh, give the opportunity to make commitments. One of those is salvation, and maybe that's you today. You've, you've accepted Christ, and again, we want to hear from you. Maybe you have other questions about what we've talked about. We want to hear from you there, too. Uh, please contact us, uh, and this primarily for our church family. This is also, as you know, the time that we give of our tithes and offerings. And one of the ways that we show our faith in Christ is by giving. Uh, he asks us to give a tenth of what, what we are blessed with, our income, 
as an act of faith to him. And there are several ways you can do that online. The slide is up now for online giving. Some of you have been doing that the past couple of weeks. Um, the next slide that's going to come up is going to give our address and, and uh, the general fund reference number. You can mail a check-in or you can uh, use your bank's online bill pay. Uh, again, however the Lord leads you to do that, I encourage you to continue to do that. And thank you, church family, for being so faithful, especially during this time. Man, all the uncertainty uh, that surrounded uh, the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, church family, you've been faithful to continue to to uh, give and, and to support the ministry of the church. And, and I thank you for that. Um, I want to mention also, uh, you have a discussion guide. You know, we've had a great time of worship here today. And, you know, we've talked about decisions and, and I've given a couple of illustrations and application. Um, there's a discussion guide that you can download uh, that you can use to go a little deeper with your family, to, to maybe... Uh, look at how this all applies to your life. There's a lot of head knowledge here, but there is some direct application. Yes, salvation, but beyond that, and, and how it affects our lives and, and the works, how our works, the things that we do from day to day should look. I also want to mention, and this is in the bulletin, um, it, there's no slide for this, but we've created a prayer request group on our Flocknote messaging system. Um, the, the information on how to sign up for that is in the bulletin. But all you have to do is text WHBC Pray, P R A Y, WHBC P R A Y, to this number. And you can write this down if you want to be a member of this prayer request group. 84576 is the number there. 84576. And then you'll get a text prompting you to sign up for that. Um, we've created this group aside from our general communication and announcement group and flock note, uh, church family, or anyone. If you want to be a part of this, if you want to pray, uh, you can join that group and, uh, and be a prayer warrior along with so many others uh, who, are, who are lifting up requests. I also want to mention just briefly our Annie Armstrong. You know, in the midst of all this, you know, uh, Annie's kind of gotten forgotten. Um, and we are still doing that, that our, our Easter offering. Um, our goal this year was $12,000. Um, we've had uh, $8,938 $8, 8, given to date. And so I just encourage you, church family, again, that's who I'm talking to. Uh, just pray about um, what the Lord might leave you, lead you to give there. Man, thank you so much for just giving us the opportunity to come into your homes, um, to worship with you, um, to share our love for Christ and his word, to share his word, uh, God's word with you. And I pray that you've been blessed. Uh, we're just going to go before the Lord and close with a time of prayer today, uh, thanking God for all that he's done to make us right, to make it possible for us to be right with him. Father, we come before you today and thank you for your gift of grace. We thank you that uh, because of the fact that we can't do anything to make ourselves right or to, to, to get rid of the sin that we have, we thank you that you've provided a way through your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, your death on the cross, you're paying the price for our sins is how we are able to be justified. And you declare us just and righteous. It's not anything that we do. Uh, you declare it, and it is totally a gift of grace. But, Lord, we do have to receive that gift. As with all gifts, they have to be received. And we receive that gift by faith in you, Jesus, that you are who you said you were. You are who you say you are. And that you lived a sinless life and, and paid the price that we could not pay. But it's by faith that we are able to experience salvation and justification. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here watching today that has never received salvation, that, 
maybe even now as we pray that they would would ask you to come into their lives and to forgive them of sin, that they would put their faith, that they would believe that you are Jesus, Savior of the world who died for our sins, that they would accept that gift. And for those who know you, Lord, let's ask the question, is my life reflecting the justification that I have experienced? Do my work show that my life has been transformed? If not, what do I need to do to change that? Lord, I pray that we would live our lives for your glory, taking every advantage, advantage of every opportunity through both word and actions, works to share our faith with everyone we come into contact with. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. And we thank you that Jesus, by your death and resurrection, your shed blood on the cross, we have been declared just and righteous in the presence of Almighty God. And God, it is in Jesus' name that we pray today and always. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon.